Welcome to Doing Time with Joe. I'm your host, Joe Baker, back with another great episode. I got a special guest here, a friend of mine, Michael Coleman, is in here. And we're going to be talking about an issue that's hot in the news right now. It's the Memphis jogger killing, kidnapping, and possibly rape. We're not sure about that right now. But I want to talk about that and how it affects people that are incarcerated, the mindset in here. I've been involved in a, diff a lot of different conversations in here lately, the last few days, and, and the response to it is all over the place. Uh, you got some people in here, unfortunately, that are trying to make excuses for the gentleman that did, uh, uh, that's been arrested for uh, allegedly committing those crimes, and you got some people on the other end of it saying that, uh, you know, why should they be blamed for what he's uh, apparently been accused of? Uh, I, I wanted to do this episode because I was talking to two young men that uh, have filed for uh, clemency. And they both pulled up on me at different times and were talking to me about, you know, what did I think uh, this was gonna do? How did I think it would affect their chances of getting out? Both of them are violent offenders. And while I was talking to them, uh, both of them uh, at different times, uh, tears came up in their eyes because they were really genuinely frightened because they believed that this is not going to go well for them. And it made me wonder, you know, I wonder if people out there think about, you know, how crime on the street impacts those individuals incarcerated. So with that said, I'm gonna let Michael introduce himself and then we're gonna jump right into this episode. Go ahead, Michael. Like I said, my name's Michael. Uh, previously on there a few weeks, about a week ago, so, you know, I just wanted to uh, talk with Joe on this situation because it affects us all. It affects us all in prison. Yeah. And those who are out. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's get right into it, man. What is uh, what is your opinion, if you have one, about the situation in general? We'll get specific in a minute, but just in general, what do you think about that particular situation, that crime that was committed? Well, that crime that he that was committed was horrendous. There's no there's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah. But as you said, we're taking the brunt of those right. of us that are incarcerated now are taking the brunt of what he what he has done. Right. And. Uh, you can't put all the eggs in one basket. You can't say right. that everybody's going to be like that. Right, right. And I, and I agree with that, you know, and, and because what happens usually is uh, you got guys that have been incarcerated for 10, 15, 20 plus years like us that have, have turned it around and we're trying to get that opportunity so that we can uh, gain our freedom, uh, however that may be through the parole process or clemency process. But when something like this happens out there, um, the society is scared, angry, and, and, and I'm gonna say this, I believe that rightly so, because this young man, uh, if, if all the information is correct, uh, he served 19, 20 years in here for kidnapping before, and then gets out and after a couple of years commits the same crime, plus he ends up uh, murdering and maybe raping this, this woman, this teacher, this mother, this wife, you know, this pillow of the community, and people are genuinely upset by that. And do we have politicians that are trying to, uh, in my opinion, uh, leverage this situation and say that uh, they should build more prisons, that they should make sure that people that are incarcerated, violent offenders should never get out, so on and so forth. Look, I get it. I get the anger. I get all of the frustration. But this has been tried before, and it's not changing the outcome. It won't change the outcome. But I want to talk about specifically what is it that you know people in prison can do to uh, help 
discourage this type of behavior out there. What do you think about that? How would you respond to that question? Well, first, first, first I have to say that for every three, four, five people that do that, that get out and commit another violent offense, there are hundreds, if not thousands, that get out and are doing well. Right. Why don't we talk about them? Right. Why don't we ask them what they did to make their change? Right. To make the change in their life, to make the, 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 the positive come out. Right. So with that being said, uh, the, the, the system, they, they, the politicians are saying just put them in prison, lock them away. But like the governor said, they're going to get out eventually. So why are we creating, throwing money at these programs for people to help these people uh, uh, maybe change their, their thoughts? And like we were speaking on earlier, you know, it's only a percentage of it that's yeah. going to help. It's got to be that person's mindset. It's the mindset. I don't believe the, the number of years uh, that you put a, prison, put a person in prison, whether it's two years or 20 years, is going to change that person's heart. The programs don't work in that way, in my opinion. But I do say this. Uh, I believe the solution to this problem rests with 50% in programming and 50% with the individual that's incarcerated. The individual incarcerated has to want that change. And over time, if they are pushed in the right direction with the right nurturing, with the right encouragement, that they'll want it. But you gotta look at the backgrounds of some of these guys and what they've been through in their lives to make them get to that point to where they think this is something that they should wanna do. And actually, in his case, do. What was really going on with this guy? Because I did a little research and I talked to some guys that think that they were at another institution with this guy before he got out. And they've all said that, that, that he was one of those individuals that uh, would flash on officers, the female officers, you know what I'm saying, masturbating and all this and everything, they walk by, all that old kind of stuff, right? To me, that was a red flag. But the solution for that in the institution is write him up, put him in the hole, five or 10 days in the hole, get back out, he loses his visit, loses his uh, 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 packages, privileges, and, and so on and so forth, but it doesn't do anything to address the behavior. Why would a grown man think that it's okay to be masturbating, looking out a window at a female that's walking by? Those things that happen in here, in my opinion, need to be addressed in a way that is getting to the heart of the matter. None of that is happening in here. People don't really pay attention to those things. And then, when I talk about the 50% of the, the problem rests with us, I'm talking about those individuals that were around that young man. I wonder if anybody said to him, hey, bro, that ain't straight. Because yeah, it comes it comes down to, to the peers. You know, our peers are the ones that we're going to listen to more. So, yeah. like, I'm talking to you. We, you'll help me with situations that I have. Right. So it's a peer. And vice versa. Yeah, any, any kind of situation like that. So it starts with us to make that. Because when I first came to prison, I was with the old heads. You know, yeah. I was with people that were down 20, 30 years yeah. learning from them. Right. And you're like, you look here, young kid, you, you need to do this and do that. Right. Uh, education is free in here. Like, yeah. Why are we not taking advantage of that? Why are we not taking They're advantage? They're going to pay you to take right. a course. Right. I got to do that. Right. And I did that. Right. So with with that, you know, uh, they're talking about the truth and sentencing. Yeah. And that he wouldn't be out if it wasn't for the, the, the percentages and him getting his good time and this and that. All right, so you're just saying that this young lady would be alive, but the next one would be dead in four right. years. You're not really addressing the problem. Exactly. You're, you're telling people that longer sentences, keeping the people in prison for longer periods of time is going to solve it, and it's not. Make it work. It is not. It's only going to make it work if you don't address the issue that's going on with each individual person that's incarcerated. You're not going to change the outcome, and that's the part that really 
frustrates me when stuff like this happens and you have some people that take advantage of that fear. That's because that's what I see it as. Taking advantage of the fear that's going through the community. And the fear is real. But to take advantage of it, that's, that's on another level right there. Because at the end of the day, you're not offering solutions that are going to get to the heart of the matter. If you don't know what to do, then step to the side and let those individuals that have these more progressive ideas of what they can do with programs and things like that, let them step in and, and fill the gap and see if they can get a different outcome. Because repeating the, the same mistakes that have been done in the past is not gonna change this. Having somebody that uh, commits this type of crime after 20 years, and then saying that what we need to do is take the good time away from people, not let them out, is only going to delay an individual like that from committing a crime. It's not going to stop it. It's only going to delay it. And give and them more time to think about it. And give them more time to think about it. And that right there in itself is a travesty. We have people that want to be concerned about delaying the problem as opposed to addressing it and really dealing with it. And I just don't, for the life of me, I don't really understand why, uh, you know, anybody would want to take advantage of a situation like what we got going on right now down in Memphis. Uh, what needs to happen is some real, real programming with the peers that are around these individuals saying, no, enough is enough. At some point, we have to take control of our destinies and say, look, I'm not going to participate in A, B, and C. I'm not going to condone this brother, you know, walking by and, and talking about, look, y'all y'all watch out, I'm finna masturbate on this female officer or this counselor, so on and so forth. No, we have to say, no, bro, that ain't straight. And then if they don't want to listen, then we got to take it a step further because at the end of the day, we have to start to think about, you know, that could have been somebody in our family. Yeah. That could have been somebody that we care about that this individual got out and done that to, you know? And enough is enough, enough is enough. And I. I, I'm not letting the system off the hook, don't get me wrong, but I am at a point now where I want to hold uh, the individuals that are incarcerated with me to task. We have to be more responsible about what we do while we're in here, more responsible about the environment that we are existing, coexisting in and nurturing. We have to be more involved in each other's lives to the extent that the other individual wants it. You understand what I'm saying about that? And, and, and help them through these things because at the end of the day, I just don't see how we get beyond something like this if we don't start to address the issues that are going on with us in here. Barring some mental issue that you know might be causing this, man, we know what's going on. We can pretty much predict when somebody gets out yeah. who's coming back. Most definitely. We know. Most definitely. We see what's going on when the counselors are not looking and so on and so forth, but we don't do anything about it. We get in our corners and we talk about them and we say this and say that, but we don't address them. We need to start addressing them, man. You know what I mean? I do my part like the like the, like the the old heads did when I came to prison. Come really yeah. college young cat uh, yeah. and, and try to talk to them. Right. But it's getting harder and harder because some don't want to listen. Yeah. Man, I got 100%. I, I'm not trying to hear that. You know, you know what you're doing is good for you. Uh, that ain't for me. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you got to try it. Unless, unless you want to spend the rest of your life in here or be buried when you get out of here. Right. This is what you need to do. Yeah, but I think that when you speak speak about the 100% thing, that's what's going to happen when this truth and sentence takes effect and these people start filling up in here. That type of law takes away the hope of individuals. And I know some lawmakers say, I don't care nothing about giving criminals hope. But without hope, it's hard to convince somebody to go in the other direction. You know what yeah. I'm saying? 
And that's where I think, that's another area where I think we're having a problem. But don't get me wrong, uh, all of y'all out there that's listening. I, I understand that you're afraid and, and, and scared. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you have somebody to do something like this. This, this young lady was out jogging, minding her own business, and next thing you know, she ends up snatched up, thrown into a, a vehicle, and possibly raped. And, and we don't even know how she died yet. Yeah. And I can only imagine the fear that she was experiencing you know, thinking about her kids and her husband and her family, and that this might be, you know what I'm saying, the last uh, encounter that she has with humankind, a violent encounter. Yeah. That's scary. So I get that, man, and uh, and I don't want to make light of that. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I don't want justice for the family. I don't want justice for the community and, and everybody else that's affected by this. I don't want you to think that I don't want to, because I do. I, I agree with you on that. There should be justice in this, in this situation in all situations. But I, what I do want to say is that I don't believe that we should uh, dismiss all of the things that have moved us forward when it comes to um, rehabilitation, if you believe in that, or restoration, whatever uh, terminology you want to use. All the things that have moved us forward to where, you know, some people are getting out, a lot of people are getting out of here and not coming back. A lot of people are getting out of here and becoming very, very positive influences on their community and their family and we don't talk about that. Exactly, and, and, and we have to want it. It has, to, it has to be within, you know, you hear the phrase, fake it till you make it all the time. Yeah. But the thing has to be that you have to want that change. You have to want to be that person that not want to come back here. I wake up every morning mad at myself. What did I do to put myself in this situation? What was I thinking? Right. Why would I do that? Yeah. There's no way in the world that I would let that happen again, right. that I'm going to put myself in a situation to come back here or make another victim because I was a victimizer. But now I'm a victim's advocate. That's you know, right. I, I work with, I, I, work with uh, I work with Miss Burner White. And, yeah. And you know, and I told yeah. her when I get home that I'm gonna work with her. I may be a victimizer, but I am a victim's advocate now. Absolutely. So I stand with the victims. And I do too. And I and I feel that. So let me ask you this: What do you think that uh, directly? What What do you think that we can do about those individuals coming in here that uh, don't seem to understand that or continue to perpetuate? criminal lifestyle, the criminal mindset, what do you do? What would you say to them if you were in a situation like that and you walked up on it and they were talking about, you know, uh, raping this woman or, or, or committing this crime, or whatever the case may be, what, would you be courageous enough to say anything? And if you were, what would you say? I would, I would, and, and I do. So my thing is that I have to, I, I have to first say that being one of Joe's witnesses, I have to say that we know that we're living in the last day, and we know that the, the world is living in the power of, of Satan. Right. So Satan the devil is, has great anger, and we know right. this. So right. the things that we're experiencing is part of that. So to my conversation to them is spiritual. Yeah. Man, don't you guys love life? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah I love life. Don't you think that you want to live forever? Yeah, yeah, I want to live forever. Well, God said the only way for you to live forever is to follow his commandments, to do his will. Right. So... Why would you not want to do his will? That's not his will, doing right. what you're speaking of doing. You right. know, that's not something, and you know, and I start with that conversation with people, and they're like, oh man, go ahead on somewhere, man. You want to preach. No, I'm not preaching. Right. I just want to help you. You know, right. yes. Yeah. And that's good. You are, well, you know, what we're supposed to do is plant those seeds. God will do the water. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. And I think enough of us don't do that. We just don't do that for whatever reason. And and that's why I found it interesting. You know, the last few days, talking to a lot of the guys in the pod and in the gym where I work at and whatnot, and 
hearing all of the different views about what happened. But I will say this, except for a small number of people, it was a consistent consensus that this is wrong, man. And I don't need a program to tell me that this is wrong. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? But I also have heard people say, you know, it would be nice to have a program that can help you get from A to B. You feel what I'm saying? What do you do when you're in situations like this? Because if it was some uh, avenue for this individual out that they got out, he flattened out, so that means he wasn't in, under any supervision, right? It would be great to, to have had a program out there or somewhere that he could have gone to and said, look, I'm having these thoughts, man. You I, know what I'm saying? I say to the, I need some help. I say to the, to the lawmakers, let's sit down and have a conversation. Have a conversation with those people that are incarcerated right now right. that say that they want this change and they want to help why not have this conversation so instead of throwing let's do all this prison time let's build more prisons no let's have a conversation with the individual like, what can we do for you what can we do yeah what, if you were in this situation and you hadn't changed your life what would make you change your life yeah what can we do to help you? yeah yeah, as opposed to just throwing us away. Yeah, and then like yeah. to go with, with what you said, Dr. Phil always said it the best. He said the best way to predict future behavior is relevant past behavior. Right. So this man's relevant past behavior showed that he was going to get out and do this. He was going to get out and do it. He was on, like I say, uh, there's nothing to indicate what none of his charges that I saw or heard about was rape or, or, or murder. It was kidnapping. That's violent too. But it was kidnapping and something else. But he hadn't killed anybody. Yeah. He graduated. Now, while he was in those years, he's got all of these from people that I talked to and so on and so forth. He's got indecent exposure right us. Where and basically what that means in here, he flashed on somebody. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I mean by that. He masturbated off on somebody. He was showing you those types of behaviors that would lead you to believe. Wait a minute. If he's willing to do that. What'll happen when this person has no supervision? You feel me? No supervision at all. He's able to roam free, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and stalk somebody, and then, and, and, and then eventually get his courage up to grab him. Because there's no telling how long he was sitting there watching. And like you said, he had to build that courage up to do it. Yeah, Finally, and, how, and, 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 and how did he know that was her route? Was he watching her before that? Did he see something and say, oh, I can get her here? Or did it just happen on the spur? Either way, it's bad and it's scary. Because if he was just riding by and he saw her, oh man, and then he just all of a sudden decided to do it, that speaks to a whole other level of darkness. Exactly. Yeah, but again, if this person were having those types of thoughts and there were uh, a program or somewhere that he could have gone and said, look, I'm tripping, I need some help, can you help me? And share what he was thinking and they provide him the assistance that he needed, that may have been something that would have prevented this from happening. Or like you say, come in here and talk to those individuals that want help, that want change, and say, what do you need? Yeah. What do you need? How is it that you can, like, okay, I'm gonna, use, I'm gonna use this. When you go to a doctor, you tell the doctor what's hurting, right? The doctor, based on his experience, he says, okay, this is what I can do for you. But he's not gonna diagnose you and decide a course of action without, again, he's not gonna decide a course of action without diagnosing. You feel what I'm saying? There's no way a doctor can say, it without talking to you, without seeing yourself, I'm gonna put you on Oxycontin. I'm gonna put you on Ritalin for this. I'm gonna put you on Tylenol for that. They're not gonna do that without talking to you. 
So how is it that these people that are in charge of us can come up with a way to help us without talking to us? Because like you said, it's ruled through fear. You know, the, 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 their constituents are afraid when they, and they should be very afraid. So the, the, the politicians are using that fear and wanting to build more prisons for And they're also, on top of their fear, they're also, um, they don't want people to think that they coddle us. They, they, they've convinced people with this narrative that, you know, I'm not gonna be soft on criminals. They've convinced people that, you know, the more brutal you are, the more harsh you are towards people that are locked up, towards people that commit crime, then this is the type of person that you need in charge. No. No. It does not work. Make, it does not work. Make no mistake about it. This is not easy. No. Doing this time is not easy. Nothing and easy about it. Nothing easy about it. And I, I, I met a guy years back in Dr. King's class, that uh, Barney Brown out of Florida. Yeah. He he told us that his whole time in there, he always remembered what his, what his father had taught him about, you know, he played shortstop. Yeah. No wasted moves. So his whole time when he was in prison, he wasted no time. He wasn't doing time, he was using time. Using time. You gotta use this time. And right. we have we have to put this in the people coming in's head that this is time for you to use. My mom always told me to sit still and wait on God. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. He put me in here and said, You're gonna sit still. You're now. gonna sit still now. You're gonna sit still now. Absolutely. And actually absolutely. absolutely I did. And that's exactly how it goes. Look, I'm gonna end it with that right there, because I, I don't I couldn't have said that any better. But I'm going to end it right here. This has been another episode of Doing Time with Y'all. I want to thank Michael for doing this. And uh, we'll be back with another episode soon, me and Michael. No doubt about it. Peace, y'all.